Sorry to interrupt. Uh, my name's Angus, and uh, Leah and I are going to read the Bible for us now. If you'd like to take out one of the black Bibles in front of you, we're going to read from the book of Jonah. It's on page 654 of the Bibles. I'm going to read chapter 1, and Leah will read chapter 2. So, on page 654 of the Church Bibles, the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them and, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him, him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, 
In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for your help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the, into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward the holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry ground. Uh, welcome to church this evening. Uh, my name's Tim Purser. Uh, I'm, on the student, uh, I'm a student minister here, and uh, I'll be taking us over the next two weeks uh, through the book of Jonah. We've just had Jonah 1 and 2 read for us, and next week uh, we'll look at Jonah 3 and 4. Um, so please pray with me as we embark on this journey. Dear Lord, as we come to your word tonight, uh, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. Uh, we pray that we would look to you for salvation, and we pray, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit to apply this word to our hearts. In your name, amen. Well, you don't have to be very old, do you, to know that life sometimes doesn't go according to plan. Life can get tough at points, can't it? Life can get very difficult. Sometimes in life, the storms just tend to roll in. Now, I'm not sure about you. I'm not sure what storms you have been through in your life, or I'm not sure what storms you are going through at the moment. It, it could be the storm of a loss of a relationship. It could be the storm of the loss of your job. It could be the storm of depression, the storm of anxiety, the storm of stress. Or it could be the storm of a terrible place to work. I'm not sure what storms are going on in your life or what you've been through. But I am sure that the book of Jonah offers some help. It offers some guidance. It offers some hope for us as the storms of life roll in. Uh, in the book of Jonah, uh, we see three things about God. We see... We see that God is sovereign. We see that God is omnipresent. And we see that God provides salvation. So in tonight's talk, we're going to address each of these three points. And uh, if you kindly note, S-O-S. Um, so my main point, quite simple. In the storms of life, send God an S-O-S. Now it, came, it took me three weeks to come up with that. So... Uh, <laughs> I, ho I hope you enjoy it. Um, but it's quite simple to remember. In the storms of life, send God an SOS. Well, let's go on to point one. In the storms of life, God is sovereign. 
if you've uh, closed your Bibles at this point, uh, I'll please ask you to reopen them. Uh, we're in Jonah, um, and it's uh, page 654 of the Church Bibles. Uh, that way you can follow along and see that I'm actually telling you what the Bible says. Um, so in, in chapter 1, in verse 1, uh, the word of God comes to Jonah, and uh, God actually asked Jonah uh, to go to Nineveh to preach against them. Um, however, Jonah, in a defiant act of rebellion against God, decides that he knows better, and he's going to go in the exact opposite direction to God. Uh, look with me at verse 3. But Jonah ran from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. Now, if your geography is as good as mine, you probably have no idea where Tarshish is. You've probably got no idea where Nineveh is. Um, so for all the visual learners out there, uh, I have a map. If it could come up on the background, here it comes appearing. Um, now, now, Nineveh is in modern... Is the map there? Okay, on the map. <laughs> Nineveh's up here. And up here is modern-day Iraq, okay? Modern-day Iraq, up in this sort of area there. Um, and Tarshish is over here in the map. There you go. Tarshish is over there in modern-day Spain. And where Jonah is, is somewhere around here in a place called Jopra. So as you can see, Tarshish is there, Nineveh's there, and Jonah's here. He's running exactly the opposite direction. That's where Jonah's headed. Thank you, Matt. Um, so that's, that's where Jonah's headed. He's headed to modern-day Spain when he should be going to modern-day Iraq. Uh, however, Jonah is openly disobeying God, but God is sovereign. This is my main point. God is sovereign. And he uses Jonah's defiance of God to teach him something that Jonah already knows. He actually uses Jonah's open defiance to teach him something that Jonah already knows. And that is that God is in control of every single aspect of creation. God is totally in control. He is totally sovereign. And look with me from Jonah how God shows that he's in control. Uh, firstly, God is in control of the elements. Uh, look with me at verse 4. Uh, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and a violent storm arose, and the ship threatened to break up. So God is in control of the storms, the elements. And then in verse 15, you see that God is so in control that he's able to stop the storm. Then we see that God is in control over the creatures of his creation. Uh, look with me uh, at chapter 1, verse 17, where we see God provides a big fish to save Jonah. He's that in control of creation that he can organize a fish to swallow Jonah. And then again, in 2 verse 9, God is so in control of creation that he's able to command that fish to vomit Jonah onto dry land. Then you also see in chapter 1 verse 16, God is so in control over his creatures in creation that he uses Jonah's defiance to save the non-Christian soldiers. That's how in control God is. However, I, I think the best example of how in control God is is in verse 7. Look with me there. Um, and uh, then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And lo and behold, the lot fell on Jonah. 
Now, God is so in control that he can even determine that Jonah gets the lot to fall on him. That's how in control God is. And we see that. God is actually contrast between the weak and powerless gods of the sailors as they cry out to their gods for salvation from the storm. And God demonstrates that he is sovereign in the storms of life. Now, now recently, just to illustrate this point, recently I, I heard a story um, from a person and, uh, and basically the story went along these lines. Um, they, they knew a, uh, a non-Christian, a young non-Christian uh, woman and, and she actually went through probably one of the worst storms that anyone could possibly go through. Um, as a teenager, uh, she, was, she was raped by an individual and, and during that she conceived and gave birth to a, a son. Um, and this was a terrible storm in her life. She, she didn't know what had hit her, she didn't know what had come upon her and she did nothing to deserve it whatsoever. However, through these storms, God was at work. God was sovereign. Uh, as the boy grew up, she started taking along to the local church playgroup. At this playgroup, she started to hear about the good news of Jesus. And you can see God just working behind the scenes here, showing that he is sovereign over every situation. Uh, she joined the church. At the church, uh, she met a man. Um, she met a godly man. And at this time, she'd become a Christian. She married that man. And together, they raised her child. Now, this child, this man, has come up and grown up to be one of the pastors of the fastest growing church in the world. And this is how God has been sovereign through a storm in her life. God has worked it through ultimately for his good. So my point is, God is sovereign even in the storms of life. This leads me on to uh, point two. In the storms of life, God is omnipresent. Now, unlike Vodafone, you're always connected to God. God is always there. You can always talk to him. You can always call on him. Uh, you can always talk to him when the storms of life roll in. Uh, look with me at verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 16. Um, the sailors are on the boat, and God has just calmed the storm. And what do they do? They talk to God. They sacrifice to him. They say, God, we're in the middle of the ocean, but we can still talk to you during this storm in our life. Or the better example is Jonah. Where's Jonah at this point? He's in the belly of a fish at the bottom of the sea. Vodafone would have no reception there. Um, but he can still talk to God. He can talk to God because God is omnipresent. God is everywhere and he hears everything. So in the storms of life, or when the storms of life roll in, I ask you, send an SOS to God. Call out to the God who is always there, who wants to hear you. Now my third, final, and probably most important point, so that's why I'm going to probably take the most time on it, is that in the storms of life, God provides salvation. Now the story of Jonah demonstrates that God can actually use the storms in our lives, in the lives of others, to bring salvation to those people. Uh, the story of Jonah puts forward two types of people. 
it puts forward the non-Jewish sailors, the, the non-Christian sort of type of people, and then it puts forward the religious Jewish prophet, Jonah. Uh, and now we'll look at both of these uh, characters in turn. We'll, we'll firstly look at the, the Jewish uh, sailors. Now, now these guys are, are sea-hardened sailors. They're, they're businessmen. They're taking quite a big risk to make a lot of money by taking the ship, a wooden ship, across the Mediterranean to, uh, to uh, Spain. Um, and we see in verse 5, when the storms come up, they turn and they put their trust in their own man-made gods. They don't trust the God of the Bible. Look with me at chapter 1, verse 5. And the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And then skip down with me to verse 13, and we'll see how their gods respond. Uh, instead, uh, the storms didn't stop. Instead, the men did their best uh, to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. So firstly, in, in, in verse 5, they, they cry out to their gods for salvation. They say, help us, we're in trouble, we're in the storms of life. And the storms continue. The storms continue to rage against them. So what they do in verse 13 is they switch into plan B. And they go, well, if our gods aren't going to save us, then we're going to take it upon ourselves and we're going to try save ourselves from this storm. So they start rowing their boat back to shore, which is fruitless because they're rowing against a powerful storm which has been put there by a powerful god. So the, so the, uh, the, the non-Christian sailors... Um, God is using this storm to bring them salvation, an ultimate salvation. Look with me at chapter 1, verse 16. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered sacrifice to him and made vows to him. So as a result of the storm and as a result of their gods failing and as a result of them being unable to row back to sea, and then them seeing God's power at work by calming the seas, they actually recognize that God, the God of the Hebrews, the God of the Bible, is a powerful and almighty God. And they turn to him. God, through this storm, brings the sailors salvation. They see that God is powerful. They see that God is sovereign. They see that God is omnipresent. And they see that it is the God of the Bible that provides salvation. So if, if you're a sailor here tonight, if you're not a Christian, uh, if you're putting your hope in man-made gods, it's my, my prayer that when the storms of life roll in, that you would send an SOS to this God, that you would look to the God who provides salvation through the storms of life. Now the second type of person in the book of Jonah is the religious prophet jo Jonah. Now, now these are probably the Christians of today. And, and all Christians, all Christians are like Jonah. At, at points in our life, we run to Tarshish rather than Nineveh. We run away from God's word rather than obey it. And this is what the Bible calls sin. Uh, myself, perfect example, I, I'm a sinner, uh, I run to Tarshish a lot, but in my life, um, I, I was in Canberra growing up in a Christian family, um, and I thought I knew better than God. I was like Jonah, 
I thought I knew better than God. I knew God's word. I knew what he wanted for my life. I knew how he wanted me to live. But I thought God was withholding the fun things from life. I thought God was playing the fun police. And I wanted to experience life myself. I wanted to run to Tarshish. And my Tarshish was up in Armadale, up at the university, where I lived my life my way. But God is a God of salvation. God is a God of salvation. And he caused a storm to come upon me to bring me back to himself in the same way that God caused a storm to come upon Jonah to bring him back to himself. Now, look with me at, uh, at Jonah chapter 1, and, and we see that God in verse 4 sent a storm out, sent a great wind to stop Jonah from getting to Tarshish. Now, when I first read this, I thought that this was God's judgment on Jonah. I thought Jonah's done the wrong thing. God's coming down hellfire and brimstone and judging Jonah. But actually, as I started to read a bit more, I realized that it wasn't God's judgment. This was actually God showing mercy on Jonah. Now, my, my reasoning for this is Romans, in Romans 1.24, God says this, that God's judgment is actually handing people over to their sinful desires. So God's act of judgment is not sending a storm, but it's letting them go their own way and do their own thing and run away from God's presence. Now, if, if God was judging Jonah, he would have let him go to Tarshish. He wouldn't have sent a storm to bring him back to God's presence. He would have just let him run away. However, God, in an act of mercy, sends a storm to bring Jonah back to God. Now, now, in my life, when, when I ran up to Armadale to run away from God, God sent a storm to bring me back. Actually, I was a bit stupid, so he sent three storms. Uh, he, he, he sent the storm of a broken relationship. He sent the storm of depression. He sent the storm of loneliness. He sent these storms to bring me back to himself. God showed mercy to me. God showed mercy to Jonah by sending a storm to remind us that he's the God of salvation. And during those storms, God continues to show us that he is the God of salvation. Look with me at verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 17. God sends a big fish to swallow Jonah to save him from drowning. And in the same way, God sent a man named Lloyd to save me from basically destroying myself. He sent a guy along to read the Bible with me, to walk through the Bible with me, and basically to show me the gospel. And that was God's act in the storm. He sent someone to help. And Jonah, when he's in the belly of the fish, he starts to realize this. It starts to dawn on Jonah that God hasn't judged him, but God has provided salvation to Jonah. And look with me at the end of chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 9, where Jonah states, he's finally got it, salvation comes from the Lord. And when Jonah realizes this and God sees it, in God's final act of salvation, he delivers Jonah from the belly of the fish back onto dry land. In the storms of life, 
God provides salvation. Now, now the thing I love most about Jonah is that Jonah is an arrow. It's actually an arrow pointing to God's ultimate act of salvation, and his ultimate act of salvation comes through God's own son, Jesus. Um, Now, don't turn there, but in Matthew, there's a situation where the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, are sort of hammering Jesus. They're saying, give us a sign, give us a sign to show you, show us that you are God. Demonstrate that you are God. And Jesus responds in this way. It's recorded in Matthew's Gospel at 12 verse 39. He says, no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so I will be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. Jonah, the book of Jonah, points us to Jesus. Like Jonah, like us, Jesus knows what it's like to go through the storms of life. Jesus was betrayed by a close friend. Jesus was put before, was falsely tried before a court. Jesus was beaten. Jesus was mocked. And Jesus was strung up on the cross to take the punishment that we deserved for running to Tarshish. And Jesus, as he predicted in Matthew 12, 39, like Jonah, spent three days in the belly of the earth. But like Jonah... Jesus was not held there. He wasn't held in the belly of the earth. He rose from the dead to demonstrate his power over all the other gods in the whole world. Jesus is God's ultimate act of salvation for the world. It's my prayer that you would put your trust in Jesus, that when the storms of life roll in, when the waves are crashing over your boat, that you would send an SOS to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about your life. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what kind of storms God has or will send your way in the future. But I do know that Jonah offers help during those storms. It may be the storm of stress, anxiety, or depression. It may be the storm of a loss of job. It may be the storm of a difficult workplace. It may be the storm of loneliness. It may be financial trouble. Whatever the storms, whatever the storms you find yourself in, it's my prayer that you would remember the book of Jonah. It's my prayer that you would remember that God is sovereign, that God is omnipresent, that God provides salvation. God is your SOS in the storms of life. How about we pray? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Jonah. We thank you that it's still relevant today, thousands of years after it was written. We just pray, Lord, that when the storms of life roll in, Lord, we pray that we would look to you for our salvation. We thank you that you provided it for Jonah and for the sailors, and we thank you that you've demonstrated your ultimate act of salvation through your son, the Lord Jesus. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen.